Welcome to Human Dreaming, the podcast for curious dreamers. I'm your host, Britt Shefflin. Cherie Hammonds is the owner of High Street Tonics, an herb nerd and lover of sleep and dreams. Cherie Hammonds, welcome to Human Dreaming. Hi, thanks. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited because today we are here at Cherie's High Street Tonics studio and we are getting to sample some bitters. So what are we going to try first here? Well, I think that I'm going to have my reset bitters, which is a rose, orange, and cardamom flavor blend full of herbal nervines, which are herbs that help support the nervous system. So I'm just going to put one in there. You want to try this one? Yeah, I'm going to try that one too. Great. I'll try some other ones on my tongue. And just to qualify this, today we are going to be speaking a lot about herbs and the lore of herbs, how herbs can affect dreams and sleep. And so you might hear us uh, testing out some different bitters and herbal concoctions. And um, before we get into that, though, I did want to further introduce Cherie as a lifelong dear friend as well as godmother to my child. Yes, yes. yes. And so um, I love her very much. So we're going to be doing maybe a little bit more casual of a formula today. But that being said, let's just go ahead and dive right into what are bitters and tonics and how might people use them? Well, the bitters and tonics that I make are things that you can use for your drinks primarily. That's how most people use them. Bitters can be used for a lot of different things, for drinks and also as a digestive aid, but I I wanted to kind of marry the two and kind of meet in the middle between sort of a, a flavoring agent and a medicinal tincture. So mine are flavored with herbs that can help support other systems and functions. Uh, Like I mentioned, the reset bitters that we put in our drinks here have a lot of nervous system supporting herbs. And most of the herbs that I use are nervous system supporting herbs. I just kind of feel like, especially after the last couple of years, any way that people can get these into their bodies is is gonna be good <laughs> for for our collective whole. The tonics that I make are honey and apple cider vinegar based, so they can be used kind of like a syrup or a shrub in drinks. And same, they're they're herbal extracts basically. So they've got the properties of the herbs, the flavors of the herbs, and they just taste good and do good stuff for your body. We have used the tonics on dried fruits and cat's tongue mushrooms. Cat's tongue mushrooms make yeah. these little gummy type things. So it's like basically making your, your own homemade gummy bears, but they're like a little bit of a cat's tongue shape. Yeah, those were really cool. Those were really cool. They were delicious. So this, did you say this was the reset? That's the reset. I can taste the cardamom. It's yeah. so good. Rose orange cardamom in that. I've just put one dropper full. Sometimes I'll use up to two or three, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what it's being mixed into. Or if I just, I named it the reset because that one really 
I, I put a lot of herbs in it. And some of the herbs that are in that are ones that I'll talk about as they relate to like dreaming and sleeping. But I, I named it the reset because a lot of the herbs in there just kind of help you wash away a bad day. When I take it, I, I find that it's, it's not an immediate thing. Herbs don't really work in that way. They're really subtle. A lot of them work over time. With this one in particular, I'll take it and then about an hour or so later, I'll realize that whatever's bothering me doesn't really bother me anymore. So they, it works in that really subtle way to help you kind of reset. Reset your nervous system. Reset your nervous system, your perspective even. Do you think that there is another one while we have the bitters out that we should taste test another one or two? Um, yeah, any, any of them really. The So full disclosure, um, I am absolutely hooked on the liver lover yeah, digest liver bitters. Lover. I take all the time. And then I also, the digest bitters, which is the artichoke. Yeah, the digest has... I use a lot of artichoke in my bitters. It's my favorite bittering agent. A lot of traditional bitters will use things like gentian or a lot of things that aren't exactly familiar to most, you know, people who aren't too familiar with herbs. So I think artichoke is just a really accessible and familiar ingredient. And mm -hmm. it's a great ingredient. It's got the, a great amount of bitter it's easy. The digest bitters, the flavor, the main flavor profile in that one is grapefruit, ginger, and cardamom, and it has a lot of other great digestive aids. And yeah. the liver one that you mentioned um, is just full of things that just help support the liver and mm -hmm. the blood. And yeah, I absolutely yeah. love that one. I. I like the digest bitters too. It tastes, it explains why it tastes like GSE a little bit because- um, The grapefruit. Yeah, the grapefruit, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I use, I use um, grapefruit, the whole rind, not just juice or mm -hmm. pulp or anything like that. I use the whole rind and grapefruit, you know, has that really thick, mm -hmm. pithy, and that's where the bitter comes from is that really, the white part. Okay. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, since I'm so familiar with those two, do you think there's another one that we should try today? Yeah, do you want to try it straight on your tongue? Yeah. Or in your, you've already had some in your I like the, the full flavor experience, so let's go with straight on the tongue. Tell me what you think about the nightcap bitters. This one is one that I put a lot of ingredients to kind of help wind down. Mm -hmm. It's not one that's going to put you right to sleep or anything, but it has things like passion flower, hops, skullcap. But the main flavor in that is is citrus. Yes. It's made with grapefruit and orange, and there's chamomile in there too. I've only had this one in drinks, but I love the hops flavor that it adds to it as well. Like the citrusy hops, it's kind of like a Kind of reminds me of having like a blue moon with an yeah. orange or something along those lines. Yeah, uh, like a beer. I've had people tell me that if they're trying to avoid alcohol but miss having a beer, they'll add this to sparkling water and that, that hoppy flavor kind of 
Oh yeah. It tastes like a really good IPA, but not like an overly strong one. Yeah. Like a, maybe more along the lines of the Sierra Nevada yeah. Pale Ale. Yeah. That is delicious. That's a fun one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a tongue dancer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good term. The five o'clock ones are another favorite of mine. Probably one of my most used. Uh, it's pretty floral, the lavender, rose, chamomile, but I named that one five o'clock because it, it has a lot of ingredients to just kind of help you wind down at the end of the day and have your little five o'clock mocktail or even add it to your cocktail, but I made it as a way to not need the cocktail. Yeah, I love that. In fact, you just finished dry January, so there you had these amazing kits yeah. that people could purchase in order to really make themselves some lovely mocktails throughout January and make it easier for those who partake in that. Yeah, this the five o'clock bitters is an in ingredient in those kits. I added Ooh. just some some really inflammation busting with the tonics like my ginger turmeric tonic which has a lot of kind of liver supporting stuff to help kind of clean yourself out. i don't like the term detox but along those lines you know yeah. it, helps, it helps support your detox detoxification systems mm -hmm. um and yeah the stuff with the the nervous system supporting stuff to help you just kind of build those better habits for those who are watching on YouTube, here's a little close-up of the five o'clock bitters. Um, lavender and rose and chamomile, It there is definitely a floral taste, but it's not overpowering. It de definitely, the bitters really come through and it's just really lovely. I actually just changed that formula slightly. The lavender ingredient I made with alcohol but I just started making it with glycerin to mm -hmm. kind of sweeten it up and tone down the lavender a little bit because lavender is a really extremely bitter, but also really fragrant, aromatic herb. Mm -hmm. um, like anyone who's smelled lavender knows how overpowering it can be sometimes. And even putting it in tea, you just want like this, the littlest little pinch. You definitely don't want to drink a whole tea of lavender yeah i i agree in fact well we'll get to that i guess when we talk about lavender a little bit later but mm -hmm. i have certain feels about lavender that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that this is helping me with so <laughs> okay. um well thank you for the taste test that was yeah. absolutely delicious um i hope that people who are listening give bitters a try whether you're checking out high street tonics bitters or you just incorporate them into your life. It's kind of hard to explain really what they do to your body, but you almost get an instant sense of well-being. If you're somebody yeah. who can tolerate your bitter receptors being activated that way, yeah. um, I love it. So for Same. me, it's super pleasurable, but even though it's not technically a tonic, it has like a tonic sensation. Mm -hmm. The way it mm -hmm. just moves through your whole body, you can really feel it. Yeah. being activated and it's neat to have something that works so instantaneously and that also is safe for people to drink during their their dry january or yeah. dry july or whatever you're doing i really feel 
strongly that that sense that we get by tasting these bitter flavors is it's in our DNA. It's such an ancient thing back to, you know, our caveman ancestors where our bodies adapted to it as an evolutionary thing. Way back then they were eaten as kind of a, an antidote to poison in a, in a sense mm-hmm. to get, because the way they work inside our bodies is they get the digestive juices flowing. So back then, you know, you ate some mystery plant, you didn't know what it was, you ate this bitter thing, and that kind of helped move the questionable substance out of your body as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they're something that are sorely missing from the standard American diet. You know, in other cultures, they're really just a built-in part of the experience, but not so much here. Something that Americans are really adverse to. Well, that is interesting because I remember growing up here, well, we both grew up in Oregon, but one of the things about plants in North America is that all of the poisonous plants are super bitter. So there are some Mm -hmm. plants that are good for you that are bitter, but I think that the people who evolved on the American continent might have had to like more slowly delve into the bitter stuff. Yeah. And so I, that's like a good segue into how many bitter receptors we have in our body. And I'd be curious to know what the difference is between people of European and Asian and African ancestry versus people in the Americas where a lot of the plants that are bitter, you kind of have to take a little bit more caution with until you know that it's safe. Exactly. That's a good point. I'd be curious to know if that varies and by how much too. Yeah. Yeah. I know that humans in general have around 30. So um, 30 bitter receptors and where are they located in the body? All over the place. They're found in your lungs. They're found all throughout your digestive tract, all through all your tissues in Mm -hmm. your body. And that's only where they've been documented. Hopefully there's going to be more research about it. So are there bitter receptors in your tongue? Like, is that how you're able to taste them as well? Yeah, but also as the bitter compounds move through your system, they're detected Mm -hmm. and they kind of trigger this response. So I know there's a lot of supplements and like pills that that you can take. They'll work. They'll trigger those bitter receptors like in, within your digestive tract, but they don't work as well, I guess, if you were to take some bitter straight on your tongue for mm-hmm. use as, like, say, a digestive aid. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get rid of heartburn or indigestion or bloating or something like that, then you definitely want to taste it. You don't want to mask it or it's not going to work as well. The taste is really what gets everything triggered along the way and what Mm -hmm. gets everything going it's what tells your gallbladder and your pancreas and everything along the way to get to work it's go time yeah (laughs) I mean I can feel like in in my entire torso like several points in my body Mm -hmm. where they're feeling pretty activated right now yeah I love them (laughs) I love them they're they're fun they're just fun because they have such a practical use and they can taste good. Mm-hmm. The flavors are fun to play with. You can do, you can put them in anything, mm-hmm. food, drinks, you know? Yeah. But yeah, they're just fun to play with. 
They are really fun. I'm going to have to expand my palate beyond the the liver lover and the digestive and really <laughs> get oh. into the, the rest of these. I need a kit. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about sleep hygiene and your thoughts on that. What processes do you find work well for you and what would you recommend for other people? I just kind of like to think of sleep hygiene as the bedtime routine, really. I think for most people, especially in America, if you're on that kind of standard American schedule, 10.30, maybe between like 10 and 11 is kind of the sweet spot for going to bed. I feel like uh, our bodies, if we're on that schedule, are kind of telling us to start winding down around nine and our internal clocks are obviously paired with what's going on outside and the, mm -hmm. the sun going down and everything. So by then we're kind of done with our days. Uh, but a lot of that, for me personally, it's not just, you know, brushing my teeth, washing my face, crawling into bed, turning off the light. It, it's really helpful to uh, create kind of a routine, ceremony, ritual, whatever you want to call it, to get your brain to tell your body that this is time a lot of times people have problems with you know their their bodies feeling restless or their minds keep racing and all of this sleep hygiene this this whole ritual that you can build for yourself will tell your body and mind to kind of connect on that level and do what it needs to do for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think some things that you can incorporate to build that for yourself will be meditate. If, if that's something that works for you, be really mindful about what you're ingesting, not just digesting, but like TV, what you're reading. Doom scrolling is a huge <laughs> thing that people do, and I do it all the time, especially like I crawl into bed and I f remember one thing. I have to pick up my phone and, you know, and that leads to another thing and another thing. And an hour later, I'm still on my phone, you know, and like the blue light from that aside, just what, what my brain is ingesting is not putting me in a restful state especially lately, <laughs> you know, but, um, so being mindful of that, setting really good boundaries with screen time. And like I mentioned, using the natural light, of course, that depends on the time of year. You can even buy the, the lights that mimic a sunset mm -hmm. or a sunrise to use as an alarm clock. It all boils down to being mindful, really, I think. And knowing that it takes about three weeks if you're just tr beginning to build this habit for yourself knowing that it takes about three weeks mm -hmm. to build new synapses in your brain or you know to build new healthy habits whether that's like with your diet or exercise but sleep goes right along with it but all of these things can tell your brain and your body it's time to go offline literally and figuratively yeah i like <laughs> that and I mean, we're all kind of guilty of that from time to time. I mean, guilty might be the wrong word. We're all, we've all done that from time to time. And yeah, I find for me, it takes three weeks to really just get a habit started. So yeah. I have to focus a lot longer than that. But three weeks is kind of when it just starts to become a habit, like the, totally. begin, the baby beginnings of it. Yeah. 
Um, this is something interesting that I learned recently. And I like the word bedtime routine a lot better than sleep hygiene. That, mm -hmm. that term just feels a little clinical. Totally, yeah, it does. But one of the things that goes along with it, but is actually a morning time thing that I learned recently is going outside for even one to three minutes first thing in the morning and just getting that early morning light in your eyes triggers your melatonin cycle to re-regulate. And so, you know, cortisol and melatonin are very much in a dance with each other as far as regulating sleep and wake cycles. So that might be another thing to add to bedtime slash morning yeah, time routine. That's a good point. I know for me, taking kids to school in the morning i'll be dragging all morning getting them ready you know making breakfast making the lunch but then once i'm outside and i'm like okay i could maybe i'll go for a walk or a run i'm so, always so envious of those people who have a great healthy cortisol cycle that just wake up at six or seven a.m every morning feeling perky and, and rested i'm like oh i just i love sleep so much i just want to you know, it's really hard for me when I come back to the real world and I'm like, oh no, yep. Yep. <laughs> I was having so much fun in my sleep. No, sweet, <laughs> sweet sleep. It's lovely. So I like that sleep or rather bedtime routine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. over sleep hygiene. That is, that is nice. Nice way to think of it. So let's talk about a little bit of dream work and tell me what you think what your perception of dream work is and how do you utilize it? I think if you look up the, the definition of dream work, it's really just kind of the process of transferring your unconscious thoughts or feelings to your conscious. So when you are participating in dream work or when you're, when you're practicing dream work, it's really just this whole idea of you asking yourself some questions in your conscious mind and then looking for the answers in your unconscious mind or or trying to process or come to terms or identify certain feelings maybe basically it's just kind of paying attention to what your dreams are telling you what your unconscious state is telling you so if that's something that you are trying to get into a practice of you would just know what you're looking for, know what questions you want to ask. There's a lot to be said too about just being open to whatever your dreams or your being in that unconscious state is going to show you. But that relaxing routine can be a huge part of being open. Getting your brain into this relaxed state is definitely going to help a lot. But a huge part of that, and this also goes along with the whole bedtime routine, is don't partake in anything that's going to really cloud that or suppress it or inhibit it. Things like alcohol, cannabis yeah. are, are definitely going to inhibit that dream state that you can get to. You're, yeah. you're, you're going to be unconscious, but you're not going to be open. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be clouded. The 30 minutes before sleep and the 30 minutes when you wake up are really an important time of day because you're in a highly suggestible state. Mm -hmm. So it is incredibly important if you want to be processing stuff from your actual day instead of processing the news and whatever media you might be consuming before bed, 
you might want to leave the more triggering and or violent enter yet entertaining shows for a little earlier in the evening and save something a little more neutral or wholesome for the 30 minutes before you fall asleep so that your brain can be processing stuff that's actually from your life and not what you just consumed. And uh, same with the morning. The doom scrolling, do it in the middle of the day. Yeah, don't <laughs> day like that. yeah, yeah. That goes in with that whole term hygiene. Like you're not going to eat a piece of cake after you brush your teeth and then go to bed. That's bad oral hygiene. Yes. <laughs> you know? It's like, this is bad sleep hygiene. Yeah, that's a good point. Put that dirtying up your mind yeah, dirtying up your mind. <laughs> i mean my mind was already not dirty in but <laughs> not in the, yeah that's not in the fun way dirty but yeah with dream work that the intention is the huge part i think it's it's going into it with this idea in your mind what, what is your intention what are you trying to get at here what are you trying to look for what are you trying to answer going back to the recall part that you just mentioned too when you're doing the dream work talking about them when you wake up and that's another like don't pick up your phone pick up your journal I wish I did that more yeah your <laughs> journal or sure. your voice recorder yeah. or tell the person who's next to you if you have a person next to you because mm -hmm. the more you talk about it the more recall happens mm -hmm. a lot of the time like how often does something in our days trigger a memory of the dream we had before when we hadn't thought of the dream all mm -hmm. day up until that point like it we just forgot about it yeah but then something reminds us oh I that reminds me I had this dream last night mm -hmm. and then as you talk about it it kind of comes flooding back when it was not even a memory previously that day so, yeah yeah talking about it is good or writing it down there's a, an idea I've been trying to figure out how to articulate and I'm not sure that I'm quite there yet but I'm going to give it a go which is something to the effect of we don't remember all of the events that happened during the day yet somehow we place more importance like how what percentage of memories from your entire day every day do you think you remember oh my god like what sticks as important I would say like less than five percent yeah and the the things that we tend to remember I think are the the bad things and that, yeah, that's, that could be, and it, I guess it depends on, yeah, the negative things. Yeah, because safety, yeah. right. all the safety mechanisms go yes. into the unconscious. But so we're remembering like our waking conscious hours, we're remembering a fraction of the occurrences that have happened during the day. And it's really only the affecting ones that we remember. So that's something that I like to try to remind people of in regards to dreaming. People tend to dismiss it as eight hours where it's just a bunch of bullshit that's going on in your brain that doesn't matter because not all parts of your brain are lit up. But honestly, your subconscious mind, A, runs the show for your day-to-day -day routines, habits, you know, anything that can be slightly automated is running off of your subconscious. So it's really good, I think, to understand your subconscious and also to pay attention to dreams. Does that mean that you have to memorize every dream that happens? No, but the same way that you're in your daily life, walking through the world, needing to remember specific events that happen if you don't wanna have them keep reoccurring and identifying those patterns, yeah. you need to pay attention to those. So it's yeah. the same exact thing. We spend one entire third of our life sleeping. And if you only remember four to 5% of your dreams, that's really roughly what you're coming out of with your conscious part of your day. So I don't know if I've articulated that 
very clearly, but I'm like I said, I'm still formulating my yeah, thought process. No, on I it, totally, I totally appreciate that. It's 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 true, and there's a lot to be said about you were talking about just recognizing and naming things allows you to kind of forget about them sometimes, mm -hmm. you know. So if it's something that you're you're trying to process, then that yeah. can help. And there's that saying, we don't remember, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something to the effect of, we don't remember what people said to us, but we remember how they made us feel. Yes. That's the same thing with dreams. It's like almost mm -hmm. with any psychologically based dream, for the most part, it doesn't matter necessarily what the content was. It matters how it made you feel. Yeah. And how that dream made you feel is the important part of what you need to pay attention to because yeah. the memory of the events in the dream or your daily waking life are going to fade over time absolutely but you're not going to lose the memory of the the feeling because again the subconscious that's one of the things it processes it's like right there in your in your amygdala mm -hmm. in your mammalian brain so that's one of my favorite quotes to relate to parenting too <laughs> yeah. i like that yeah <laughs> That's true, because they do remember how we made them feel. Yeah, they and don't remember shit about what we yeah. tell them. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. They'll remember if we were yelling at them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which made them feel not so great, probably. <laughs> so I wonder how I learned how to disassociate. It's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some lore herbal lore and if it relates the ancestral and work spirit dream work stuff yeah a lot of dream work can relate to that ancestral work there's a lot of talk about the things that you dream about are things that are kind of trapped in your dna which there's more talk about your dna storing memories of your ancestors i'm not articulating it very well like epigenetics see, i i guess so like yeah. for example just to like put it in context so an epigenetic memory in my understanding i'm not a geneticist so somebody in the audience correct me if i'm yeah. wrong but my understanding is that one form of epigenetics is like a a type of genetic memory where for example a dog that grew up on you know in hawaii where there's no snakes if they saw a pet snake might still somehow recognize what that was because of their ancestral DNA of inherently knowing. Mm -hmm. So we, in that same way, inherit traumatic mm -hmm. and other events that keep us safe because we need to know that mm -hmm. information. So yeah. it's a way of passing down information through genetics. Again, not an expert, but. Yeah. And I guess how that could relate to dream work is getting a little more in tune with why certain things make you feel certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, but talking about the lore behind a lot of <clears throat> these herbs that have been used for millennia, these are what our ancestors used, you know? They didn't have the pharmacy to go get their little white powder pills, you know? They had plants and it's it's ancient medicine. It's in our DNA in that sense, like we were talking about using bitters earlier, you know, it kind of wakes something up inside of us. 
So the folklore about, you know, the stories about why these things were used for what they're used for now, but there's also a lot to be said about what they kind of trigger, maybe not trigger, but like awaken in our own bodies, you know, like sometimes you'll be called to one thing with no explanation of why, but maybe there's something there, you know, maybe it was like your great, 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 great grandma's favorite thing. Tell us about which herbs are in lore. It's hard not to talk about dream work and herbs without talking about mugwort. Mugwort is huge. It's the primary herb recommended for dream work. Dream recall, it helps with vivid dreaming. It's extremely bitter, so it's a really hard one to take in a tea. So it's it's a good one to use in a dream pillow. So mugwort is what you are brewing up for me to try tonight, right? Yeah. Just so everyone knows, I'm going to be taking this mugwort this evening, and um, since obviously I won't be able to record the results in the show, I will put the results in the show notes and let you know how mugwort affected my dreams. Yeah, and I'll mention again um, that the way the herbs work, they're not like drugs. Maybe it won't do anything for you. Maybe you'll try it again later and it'll be a crazy experience. Or maybe you'll take it a little bit here and there every night for a month or so and it'll kind of build up. So some of them are cumulative and some Mm -hmm. of them are more immediately effective and some you would take like for long periods of time and some for short periods of time. Yeah, exactly. Mugwort is one of the ones that you can just kind of play around with it and see, see what it does for you. And with any herb that you're going to use, I'll say everyone should do their own research first. Make sure there's not, it's not in a family of something that you're allergic to. Make sure it isn't contraindicated with any medications you're taking or any kind of other health issue you might have. Look it up for sure. Always start small. Always just try a little bit at a time. See how it makes you feel. And then move move forward from there. Mugwort, the lore behind it is is pretty interesting. It's it's an artemisia. It's it's like sage, wormwood, it's in that same family. That name comes from the goddess Artemis, who was the goddess of the moon hunting childbirth. There's a whole lot of lore around mugwort as a childbirth aid. I read something about how when women were having a difficult childbirth, they would tie bundles of mugwort around their left or right thigh. I can't remember which one. It was a specific one, but then it would have to be removed right away after the baby breached for reasons that whatever I was reading didn't go into but I thought that was kind of interesting but there's a major artery right there I wonder if that has something to do with it I I wonder yeah you're that's a good point but all across Europe it was used for clairvoyance and to forget trauma especially it brings a lot of that type of lore with it kind of works on sort of this energetic and magical level 
So it's a good one to put in your dream pillow for mm -hmm. just like put it under your under your pillow for that reason. But it kind of will act as a gatekeeper to keep these nightmares at bay in that in that sense. That's so interesting. Yeah, wormwood banishing parasites, sage banishing, yeah. you know, people have traditionally used sage for multiple reasons, but one of them being to kind of cleanse your the space around you. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then mugwort cleansing your dreams. That's really interesting. Yeah, it contains a compound called thujone, which is, I mean, it's also active in wormwood and, you know, absinthe can kind of have these like psychotropic effects almost. And that's the compound that has been known to, to do that. But small amounts. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, small amounts. Yeah. Uh, it, it's said to kind of increase awareness during dreaming and kind of help reveal these hidden insights. And some practitioners even warn that it can be a little intense and a little too vivid sometimes for those who aren't quite used to dreaming a lot. So yeah, that's a good one to just kind of start small with and see what happens. Maybe okay. nothing will happen, but maybe a lot will happen. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, Blue Vervain is a great one. I take blue vervain every day myself. This is a dream work herb or a sleep herb? Dream. These are all all good for dreaming. Okay. Yeah, but blue vervain is one of my personal favorites. I take it every day. It's a, it's one of those tonic herbs, meaning it will help tone your systems if you take it over time. It will help with kind of some lucid dream work. A lot of people have documented their uh, own experiences with prophetic dreamings mm. after using it. So like dreams that manifest into reality mm -hmm. at some so predictive point. dreams. Yeah. It's one of my favorites for relieving tension. It, it's really good for kind of type A sort of people. Okay. I'm a Virgo sun. So it's good for people, people like me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so people like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might not be so good for people like me, but I will. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah. It was used by the ancient Greeks, Romans, Egyptians, and Celtic Druids to purify sacred places and ward off evil spirits. So they carried it for good luck, usually. The Druids thought it was so sacred that when they would pull it out of the ground, they would pour honey into the hole that the plant created in the ground is mm. like an offering. It's also said that whenever the Egyptian goddess Isis cried, vervain would sprout wherever her tears hit the ground. Oh, wow. So it's a pretty, pretty, it sounds like it was a pretty sacred herb. Mm -hmm. For the Greeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. California poppy is another one. Poppies, poppies, we'll put them to sleep, <laughs> you know? There's a, there's a reason Dorothy and her crew fell asleep in that field of poppies because there's just a lot of lore behind. behind is that, that what happens? Mm -hmm. I don't remember that part. The field of poppies in okay. the Wizard of Oz. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. The, the Wicked Witch of the West and her crystal ball <laughs> with the spell on the poppy field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Hypnos, the Greek god of sleep and dreams, carried a poppy stalk. Mm -hmm. It's also said that if you, I, I love this, if you write a question on a leaf or a piece of paper these days, 
roll it up and put it in a poppy seed pod mm -hmm. and put that under your pillow, that question will be answered in your dreams. Ooh. It's kind of fun. That is really fun. Angelica root is another interesting one. The lore behind it has a lot to do with protection. It's a really bitter herb. It's really good for digestion too because of that. But the Latin name is Angelica Archangelica. And it got that name because legend has it that the Archangel Michael came to a monk in a dream and told him about this plant mm -hmm. and the powers of it, the ways to use it, that it could ward off evil among many other things. So from there, it became this herb that people would chew the root of to ward off the plague, even during the Spanish flu, our oh, last wow. pandemic, people would be chewing angelica root. No kidding. Assuming there might not be empirical evidence for its helping, but anecdotally, were people anecdotally, saying that was helping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legend has it. You legend yeah. has it. <laughs> we are in the lore section. We so are in the fair. lore section, yes, <laughs> yes. But, uh, there's a famous herbalist, Matthew Wood, who said that this herb opens the sphincter of the mind. I just want to be able to use that term, right? sphincter of the mind. Right? So it kind of <laughs> allows you to be receptive to what your dreams or your subconscious are telling you. Gotta open that sphincter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yarrow is another one. It contains thujum, the that compound that I was talking about in mugwort. Okay. So the effects of that are just kind of said to calm down your body and slow your mind just enough for you to be able to listen. Mm -hmm. uh, some old lore says that it has a strong connection to prophecy and there's a, a kind of a fun ancient tradition where if you take the first yarrow flower of the season and put it under your pillow, it will reveal your fate in your dreams. But over time, that kind of morphed into more of a tradition where maidens would take these first flowers, put them under the pillow, and that would reveal who they were going to marry. And then in some parts of Europe, they would go to church the next day and sit next to the person who their dreams revealed, oh, wow. and thus a union is formed. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny to, to think about how over time these things kind of morph into yeah. things like that. You know, I was just about to say, I don't know that I would want to leave my, my partnerships or fate up to my subconscious mind, yeah. but then I remember the first flower on a on a plant. The first flower <laughs> on a plant. It sounds way too woo woo, but then uh -huh. there's another part of me that just also had a, a recollection of back when I lived in Alaska and I used to keep really extensive dream journals. I had a predictive dream that I lived in LA and met a man that looks like Craig Are and you had serious? a daughter. And um, I remember it specifically because it was such an absurd dream at the time because I had absolutely no plans of leaving there, let alone living in a city or having, or having children, children yeah. or any yeah. of the, like yeah. none of those were even remotely on my radar. Wow. So that is a random aside, but I was about to poo-poo it until I remembered that I actually That's had a dream about <laughs> That is amazing. But that one also has 
uh, some interesting lore in China. The dried stalks were used to tap into the wisdom of the I Ching. There's something about uh, how that may have started when there's a story about an ancient general who didn't like the fortune that a burnt tortoise shell gave him about the war that they were fighting at that time. So he pulled up some Yaro stocks that he found on the kind of outskirts of the, the encampment that his army was at for that night. And those stocks told him a fortune that he liked better. And the next day they won the battle. So that story kind of turned into these Yaro stocks being used mm-hmm. to tap into this so of like yeah. a changing fortune mm-hmm. that's really interesting my husband was looking up how they were used and they're still used today mm. in china yeah it's yeah. it's pretty interesting because you have such a, a great passion for herbs do you think you could tell us about herbs that are used for sleep specifically not necessarily related to dreams but just sleeping in general and how a how they affect sleep and then b how they might be used these would all be great ones to use as part of your bedtime routine all of the ones that i'll mention are really gentle they're all ones that i would give to my children even ones that i have given to my own children but there are things like chamomile. Are these I'll start with the chamomile. ones that you put in your calm the fuck down tonic? Yeah, yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these are. A lot of these are in the nightcap, the orange okay. bitters that you tried. And then I make a sleep blend, which you've tried before, that I can even share the recipe for that. I mean chamomile, everyone most people know chamomile. Yeah. You know, it's it's probably one of the most well-known calming sleep aids it's you know peter rabbit even had the chamomile tea it's all over the place yeah that's probably one of the most widely used and widely accepted Mm -hmm. and it grows in so many places like on so many different continents it's such a cute little flower yeah yeah it's it's a good one it's it's a little bit aromatic it's a bitter also Mm -hmm. so it's good for your digestion, it's is good for so many reasons. It's it's definitely something that I think is overlooked because of how common it is, but not to be overlooked. Yeah, passion flower is another really good one. It's it's a sedative. It's it helps with anxiety. It helps kind of induce you into a, a sleep um, state. It helps your imagination, which can help you ease into dreamland. Valerian is probably the strongest one on on this list that I'll mention. It can help with pain relief, the sedative, but there is a small percentage of the population who have the opposite effects with it. So they'll kind of feel a little bit amped up from it. But this one can help reduce the time that it takes to fall asleep and also increase the duration of sleep. I personally find that I sleep really deep when I take valerian, which I have a, a problem with. Mm-hmm. I'm a really light sleeper, but if I take valerian, it kind of boom puts me into that deep, like, yeah. REM. Is that state. something that you can take daily, or is it something that you take when you feel like you need extra deep sleep? I personally take it when I feel like I, I need a little boost. 
you could take it daily, but I wouldn't recommend it. Mm-hmm. Really. Okay. Um, it's a really good one to combine with the passion flower that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And also Skullcap is one that combines with passion flower and valerian really well. Skullcap's an anti-spasmodic. It can kind of help relax your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. It feeds your central nervous system. So it, in that sense, it's, it's a good one to kind of help calm down. This one's a really good tonic herb too. Another one of those tonic herbs that we mentioned before that works best over time. Oats is another really good one. You know, just your run-of-the-mill oats, but specifically the milky oat tops, which are the, um, the immature seed pods on the top of the oat straw, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, those are really replenishing. They're super nourishing for your whole body, but especially for your nervous system. So in that sense, they're really good for things like overexhaustion. I mean, even just eating a bowl of oatmeal is great. Like in the evening or does it matter? It probably doesn't matter as long as you get it in your body. It's, it's, it's good. It's a good one. Lemon balm is another one of my favorites. It's a super prolific plant. It's an aromatic, so, which makes it a great addition to your dream pillows. It's a really good one to combine with any of these other nervines that I mentioned. It, it also helps feed the nervous system, but that one helps kind of promote a mental calmness. So it's good for anxiety, good for irritability, and it's really good for digestion too. And that has a lot to do with its aromatic properties. And something I didn't mention about aromatics before, it kind of relates to the the whole bedtime routine or, or like how you kind of wind yourself down, but smelling aromatics. And, and this is why some of these are really good in dream pillows because smelling these things, like as you're winding down or as you're going to sleep can help with dream recall upon waking too. You know, the lemon balm or lavender, rosemary, basil, and citrus are also really good ones. If you just put them by your bed, even, mm-hmm. then it can kind of help trigger these memories. Smell is a really strong one for memories. That reminds me, we talked about lavender earlier and I was gonna, and I had mentioned that I had some opinions on lavender and for the longest time I thought I did not like lavender, Uh but then I heard you mention that the quantity really matters and you might not want to overdo it with lavender and I think that's where my aversion to it came from because I think I had been around maybe like full lavender pillows and it was just like, I have asthma triggered by grasses Mm -hmm. and I think my body just kind of felt anything that feels similar to inhaling grass pollen, my body has an aversion to. And so lavender, I think was so strong, but then I've I've recently experienced it a few times where I'm like, oh, that is very pleasant. Or like the bitters that we had that had lavender in it, it was was very pleasant. Too intense or? No, it wasn't. Uh And I've, same thing with chamomile. I've had um, kind of grassy type reactions to chamomile before, but I think again, it may have at a certain point been overdone in teas and and different things. And so um, it's really good to know that you had pointed out that the quantity of lavender really makes a difference and a little goes a long way. A little goes a long way. And I was gonna ask how, like what your experiences 
were with it because if it's like an essential oil or something especially these are highly concentrated mm -hmm. things that can be really overused yeah <laughs> you know and used in the totally the wrong ways some unsafe ways even mm -hmm. but uh yeah that's that's a big one but yeah, lavender was next on my list too. It's a really great addition in those dream pillows because of the aromatics. But yeah, again, a little goes a long way, just like a tiny little pinch. Just you want it to be like a subtle thing. So it's not something that you're mm -hmm. like, you can't sleep because you're focusing on it, you know? That was what happened to me. Like a whole pillow, like a, an actual full lavender pillow yeah. would, it was the smell was so overwhelming. It was too, much. too stimulating. Yeah. yeah. That one uh, is another one, like chamomile, it's so widely used and kind of widely accepted as this calming, like lavenders mm -hmm. in so many things yeah. that are, that have that term calming on it. Uh, but it, it does, it promotes this slow wave sleep, which is supposed to help you sleep longer and, and deeper. Hops are a good one. We mentioned hops when we tried the mm -hmm. the nightcap bitters. It's a really good sedative. It's commonly used to induce sleep, but the more common way that we know it to be used is in beer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the main ingredient, a lot of different types of beer. Catnip is not just for cats. It's, it's a great one. I love catnip. It's another really calming, mm -hmm. really gentle sedative that promotes good relaxation. Kind of like you see cats get kind of wired up from it mm -hmm. sometimes, but for us, it's it's a it's a good one to wind down. It's a great one to use for kids mm -hmm. too. For that I can reason. confirm that my very first job was working in a catnip factory. I did not know that. Yeah, and it was um, like this wonderful couple, Ed and Linda Cooley, and they have. Um, full circle herb company uh -huh. and they make the most amazing catnip toys. They are they the ones at country fair? Yeah. Oh nice. Yeah. So they have like the most beautiful catnip. Like you look at the catnip that you see in the store and it just looks like twenty year old basil. Oh yeah. The stuff that they have is just so beautiful. But we I used agree. to stuff it all you know for eight hours a day, stuff these catnip toys in and sew them up. And boy, let me tell you, by the end of the day, you are very relaxed. I bet. So, <laughs> so you have personal I have experience there. Personal yeah. experience with catnip, and uh -huh. it is indeed very and that's relaxing. Just from being around that's just from it. being that's around with all the dust in the air, mm -hmm. the catnip dust, yeah, yeah. Some and handling stuff. it physically. So like the oils, yeah, from the herb, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> that's a another great one to combine with valerian and a a lot like all of these that I mentioned are excellent to mix together into teas you can choose what you think might work for you that night just get a few of these in bulk and then add some flavors some cinnamon or hibiscus or whatever whatever you think might taste good that night mm -hmm. but that's another thing I was going to mention about how you want to use these you really want to kind of just think about what you're going for like you want to use these depending on your sleep patterns or challenges like what you're trying to aid or I don't want to use the word fix but or maybe if you want to support something if it's you're having issues with anxiety or digestive mm -hmm. upset if you're feeling amped up if you have a racing mind then you can kind of 
do some research and pick and choose your own little blend, or maybe you want to just use one thing. There's a lot to be said about leaning into what ones are sticking out in your brain. That might even go back to this ancestral stuff and just, just kind of go with it. If something's kind of calling out to you, you don't need to know why. Just try it out and see what happens. You know, if nothing happens, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's the main thing is just start small, start one at a time. See what works for your body. Less is more research and then experiment. So you had mentioned that you have a sleep tincture recipe. Is that something that you would like to share I with the audience? I would love to. Yeah. So this is uh, one that I've been making for myself for quite a while, and I've shared it with a lot of friends and family. I've heard great things from, from people about how it works wonders for me, and I've heard that it works wonders for other people too. But it's a tincture, which is, is basically, that's uh, an extract mm-hmm. in alcohol, usually. It can be made with glycerin or even vinegar, but this one I make with, with alcohol. You can use just any kind of alcohol, really. Vodka is a, a good one because it has a neutral taste, but you want to use um, at least a 40% for this one, maybe which is 80 proof. So your typical, Mm -hmm. typical vodka. Uh, So the recipe for this one uses four of those herbs that I just talked about, skullcap, passionflower, valerian, and hops. Mm -hmm. I use those in equal parts. And when I make this, I make it in uh, usually like a quart jar because I share it. But if I would recommend making it in a, a pint jar that is going to last you one person months, if not even a couple of years. It'll get you mm-hmm. a fair amount. But in a pint jar, I use 10 grams of each herb dried, put them in the pint jar, and then just fill it up with vodka. That's mm-hmm. it. Let it sit for four, six, even eight weeks if you want it super potent. Some people say that four weeks is fine others say six you know you can also kind of taste it or play with it and if if it feels good then then it's done (laughs) but I let mine go for between four and six weeks uh and then you just strain it strain all the herbs out of it bottle it and I personally take one maybe two drop dropper fulls depending on how hard of a time I am having sleeping I would recommend starting with one Mm -hmm. about an hour before bed maybe Uh, or one if you wake up in the middle of the night I keep mine by my bed Mm -hmm. in case that happens but yeah, that's a it's a really easy recipe. Some of these herbs can you can find them all online. I recommend Mountain Rose Herbs is a great resource for all this stuff. I presume people would want to make sure that they react favorably to valerian. Absolutely. As a for sleep aid. Yeah. Before doing this. Yeah, and if it's not something that you want to try messing with, you could even leave it out. I the nightcap bitters that you tried 
that is has all of these ingredients minus the valerian for that reason mm -hmm. Be, just in case people it's not something that they yeah. can work with so i just right. left it out and it's equally equally yeah. great i just put it in because i personally really like it <laughs> yeah it sounds like it works great for you and that's awesome and yeah. I think that is an important point about herbs in general is that like you said it's not the same as buying like an antibiotic where you know mm -hmm. what it's how it's going to work in almost everybody's body yeah you kind of have to experiment with herbs and make sure that you're it's more like a like an ADD drug for some people it's a stimulant and for other people exactly. it is a sedative so yeah <laughs> I like to think of herbs just kind of like food honestly mm -hmm. they can be nourishing like we can kind of all agree that if you eat kale every day for a month you're gonna see some type of effect from it you're gonna feel some type of way you might not really notice mm -hmm. but something's yeah. gonna happen yeah you know yeah and that's a good point because people have different reactions to different foods and mm -hmm. we all know that like the different ways that we need to eat for our bodies yeah for yeah, yeah that's a big that's one. A really good for point. your body well wonderful thank you so much for sharing all of your your herb nerd outs with herb us today <laughs> <laughs> i love it and i really hope that everybody tries out bitters and tonics because like Sheree mentioned, it is such a lost art and it is something that has a really profound effect on your physical well-being. So however you decide to, to try that out, please do. Um, do you have a website that you would like people to, or that people can go to if they did want to check out your bitters and or tonics? Yeah, it's highstreettonics.com. That's all spelled out and there's some information about bitters and how they work and the tonics that I make and what they are and how they work so yeah I plan on updating that with a lot more information to come but very cool yeah, yeah and so there will also be I'll put in the show notes the recipe for the sleep tincture as well as your um, website and then where can people find you on social media? Um, I primarily use Instagram right now. It's just at High Street Tonics uh, and I, I post a lot of recipe ideas, ways to use the stuff that I make and I am trying to post a lot more informative stuff, you know, things about, you know, the benefits of a lot of these herbs and of the benefits of using bitters and the tonics and things like that. So yeah. And I agree, you do put out a lot of really wonderful educational content on there. So if you are on Instagram, I do highly recommend following it if you want to learn a lot of really cool things about herbs and tinctures and tonics and all of those wonderful things. We're gonna go ahead and wrap up this segment, but the fun thing is, is because Sheree is so awesome, we are going to have a part two. So stay tuned Ooh. for that. <laughs> Exciting. We are supported by Human Dreaming, the dynamics of dream interpretation by Sunshine Press. The Human Dreaming book can be purchased on Amazon.com, the Barnes & Noble website, or through your local bookstore. For dream share or help with interpretation, please join us at the Human Dreaming Facebook group.
You can also find us on Instagram at human underscore dreaming. Thank you for listening and subscribing, and please join us again next week.